your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. You're a win as a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into Wednesday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, June 2nd, 2021. And it's crazy to think that it's Wednesday already. I don't know, man. Just the week flies by, especially when you have a holiday like we did Memorial Day on Monday and didn't did the podcast but didn't have the radio show. So, man, it just seems like it shouldn't be Wednesday already, but here we are. You know, and this is just kind of how these weeks go by, man. They just kind of fly by quick, fast, and in a hurry. Before you know, we'll be talking about training camp, talk about preseason, then talk about the regular season. And that's when it's on and and popping. So uh, very excited to be here again on another day. I uh, had a very busy Tuesday, was on uh, Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas, spent some time in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, Raider Nation Radio 920. And believe it or not, with both of those shows, really didn't talk a whole lot of Raiders, talked a lot of different subjects. Cofield and Company talked Julio Jones, talked Aaron Rodgers, talk, talked about Naomi Osaka, talked about the mental health issues that are going on with her as she pulled out of the French Open. I think that that's a very serious conversation. So talked a good, you know, 20 minutes with Cofield and company, then hopped on with Vinny for about 30 minutes, and we never one time talked about the Raiders, you know? So again, we were talking about some of the mental health issues going on. Uh, We talked about the NBA and some of the unruly fans and how they're doing some crazy stuff running out into the field. So it was a really creative day of radio where didn't really talk a lot of uh, Raiders, and that's fine. I'm okay with that. And of course, I did my radio show on Fox Sports Central Texas as well, three hours long, three hours strong. So hey, I'm here to talk Raiders on the Lockdown Raiders podcast. Coming up on today's show, your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line. Again, the number 707-654-4693. One thing I've been noticing, man, there's been a lot of new booties that have been calling. And I know I don't play the music all the time for the new booties. Uh, I don't sound the alarm all the time. But, man, there's been a lot of new booties calling in. I definitely appreciate that. That means that the word is spreading about the podcast and more and more people are finding out about the show. So I definitely appreciate anyone who's told anybody about it, shared the podcast with anyone, and just suggested it, maybe even on Twitter, that someone take a listen to us. Thank you so much for that. Coming up in segment number two, I'm going to talk about rookies I think could be the most impactful in 2021 for the Raiders. And really, I'm just going to narrow it down to the one rookie that I think will be the most impactful. Now, I'll go through all the rookies that the Raiders selected, but I will give my overall feeling on the one guy who I think is going to stand out the very, very most in 2021, who's going to be the most impactful player. And of course, you got to get through training camp. You got to get through preseason to get to the regular season. But again, this is early June and just the conversation that we're going to have. So I'll do that in segment number two. Here in segment number one, just news in the notes, everything I was able to collect around the league and with the Raiders on Tuesday. So let's go ahead and just jump right into that. Now, I want to start today off with a little bit of a nugget. I just want to go ahead and pass along the Raiders and their cap space situation as of June 1st. This is according to Spotrack.com. I use that and OverTheCap.com anytime I want to check out salary cap or contracts or any of that good stuff. It's the most accurate that I've found, those two websites. Currently, the Raiders are 24th in the league. They have $4.9 million in cap space. I bring this up, obviously, because uh, when June 1st hit, everyone started paying attention to Julio Jones and Aaron Rodgers. I don't consider Aaron Rodgers as a guy that's going to be traded anytime soon if at all I really don't believe that's going to happen Julio Jones I do believe is on the way out I don't know if the Raiders are going to make a move for him but right now with only 4.9 million dollars in cap space they can't get him underneath the salary cap so they're going to have to do a lot of moving and shaking to get him to where they need to be so right now if you're a Raider fan you're looking at Julio Jones and you're really believing a lot of these reports that are out there and I'll, I'll say this as a side note 
A lot of these reports that you're seeing are from, you know, fan-based websites that really don't know what they're talking about. They don't have any real basis on it. They're just talking about, oh, everything I'm hearing is the Raiders are all in on Julio Jones and they're going to go get him. And it's from, like, falconfan.com or something. You know what I mean? It's something like that. Like, don't fall for the banana in the tailpipe. Just go uh, follow the credited people, the guys that actually know what they're talking about, the Vinny Bonsignors, the Vic Tafers, Ian Rappaporis, uh, Adam Schefters, those guys like that, they know what they're talking about. And just like if I put something out there, I'm not putting something out there unless I've heard something concrete from someone who I know is worth the salt. I'm not just going to go ahead and, and ride it out because, like I said, some silly fan-based uh, you know website is basically saying it's a done deal or or, you know, I guarantee by the end of the week it's going to be a done deal. I wouldn't put a whole lot of uh, value and stock into, into that. But what I will say for any Raider fan who thinks that, oh, man, because they're 24th in the league, only got $4.9 million in cap space, there's no way they're going to get Julio Jones. The Titans, they've been a team that's been rumored to actually land him, and there's a lot of credible outlets out there that are saying that they're the favorites to land Julio Jones. They're 27th right now in cap space with $3.6 million, so they got less money than the Raiders do. So in order to get Julio Jones under their salary cap, they're going to have to restructure Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, and maybe a few others. And actually, there's been some of those players that have said they're willing to do that if they can go and get Julio Jones. So don't worry. I mean, if the Raiders really want to get it done, they can find a way to turn that 4.9 into 15.9, 16.9, $17 million so they have enough cap space to get Julio Jones under the contract deal and under the salary cap. But right now, that's where they stand. So with that being said, Ian Rappaport, he was on uh, with MJ Acosta on NFL Network on around the, the league, and he was talking about the Julio Jones situation and what this June 1st date meant and also just kind of what that means for him moving forward as far as a, a possible trade to another team across the league. Where it stands with Julio Jones and the Atlanta Falcons is essentially where it has been. The Falcons, uh, as of course you mentioned, Julio Jones asked he wants to be traded. The Falcons, because he asked, are listening to offers now. And what they really could have done is at any point over the course of the last couple of weeks, even before the draft, struck a deal with a team interested in trading for Jones. What today means, what after 4 p.m. today, post-June 1 means, is that they can actually execute this deal. This is a salary cap situation. Had they tried to do a Julio deal before today, it would have been a $23-plus million cap hit. The Falcons could not have done that. They don't even have space to sign their draft picks. After June 1, they can spread out, as you mentioned, the cap hit over the couple years. So it would be $7.75 million essentially over the next three years, which is to say this is not a June 1st deadline. This is a June 1st opening the door for the Falcons to really start looking at the possibility of executing a trade. My understanding, though, is there is nothing imminent right now. I mean, yes, any team could call and offer them what they want, offer them a first-round pick, then they'd really be in the ballpark. Otherwise, the Falcons don't actually need the salary cap space until they sign their draft picks, which they don't need to do until right before training camp. So new general manager Terry Fontenot can be patient. He can wait and sift through offers, wait to see if something happens to get someone to up their offer. Otherwise, he's really just going to wait and let the market come to him. So we will see this ends up happening. So as you hear right there from Rap Sheet, it wasn't like it was something that was going to get done just on June 1st. That was basically, okay, that's opening day. Now it could happen anytime 
As of, I mean, it can happen right now, or it can happen, you know, at the end of the week. It could happen next week. But any day, any time after June 1st is basically when something's going to happen and something's going to get put into place if it's going to happen at all. You heard him say that at the end. So just, you know, an interesting little twist, not twist, but just a, a, a something to remember when you're thinking about this Julio Jones situation so you're not refreshing the, the Twitter account or you're not refreshing the Internet every couple seconds to see if there's another update on what's going on with Julio Jones or getting frustrated because you haven't heard what's going on. So uh, that's an update on Julio. Also, I thought I'd pass this along. This is also from uh, NFL Network, NFL.com. You can find this. Cynthia Freeland, she's one of the uh, analysts there on uh, NFL Network and NFL.com. She put out a piece about most underrated player, most underrated player on each team. And for the Raiders, she said it was Jonathan Hankins, nose tackle, 29 years old. And she had this to say, in each of the last three seasons, Hankins played the most snaps among Raiders interior defensive linemen. In each of the past two seasons, Hankins is one of just seven interior defensive linemen in the league to have a tackle rate of at least 7.0% with 600-plus snaps. His impact in the run game, as measured by how many yards an imposing ball carrier earns when running within three yards of a defensive player, ranked third best by percentage among interior defenders in 2020. So she's saying Jonathan Hankins is the most underrated player on the Raiders. Again, the nose tackle who is 29 years old, and that's good. And there's a reason why they've kept Jonathan Hankins around. He has been an impactful player. They just need more. They need more out of the interior part of the defensive line. They need to find a way to get some defensive pressure, some pressure up the gut to the quarterback. They need to harass the quarterback. They can't just be stopping the run. Yes, that's a that's major, and he does a really good job at that. But now they have to find a guy that can do Aaron Donald-type things. Not saying you need to find Aaron Donald, but you need to find a guy that also can harass the quarterback and make him uncomfortable in the pocket. If they can find that guy, and who knows if they have it, they got a bunch of different defensive linemen that they'll be able to have in that rotation. Of course, Solomon Thomas is there. I'm still very high on Darius Stills, the undrafted free agent out of West Virginia. I don't think he's going to make an impact super early for the Raiders, but I do think at some point he'll make an impact, and that could be a possibility, be a guy that gets to the quarterback. But Solomon Thomas may be able to help out as well. Who knows? Maybe just these guys being fresh, and maybe with the Jonathan Hankins not having to play 600-plus snaps, maybe it'll make him more fresh and allow him to get to the quarterback. Either way, they've got to find a way on that defensive line for that interior part of it to be able to harass the quarterback. That's going to be the next step in this Raiders defensive line, achieving more sacks overall. So that's what I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Kind of news and notes. I like to call them nuggets sometimes around the NFL. Coming up in segment number two, I talked about impactful guys. I was talking about Darius Steeles, and I think he can make an impact this sometime. Well, what drafted rookie do I think is going to be most impactful in 2021? Well, we'll go through all the guys in segment number two, and I'll let you know the one that I think that stands out to me the most who will give the biggest impact for the Raiders in 2021, his rookie year. Before we get into that, though, I do want to tell you about a couple great sponsors here on the Locked On Raiders podcast, and the first one is rockauto.com. They are a family business. They've been serving auto part customers online for 20 years. All you got to do is go to rockauto.com, shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, and trust me when I say They've got everything. Engine parts, yep. Brake parts, uh uh-huh. Tail lamps, they got them. Motor oil, no problem. New carpet, yes, they even have carpet. Doesn't matter if your car is a classic or a daily driver. They got everything you need. Few easy clicks away, and all the parts are delivered directly to your door. RockAuto.com, the catalog is unique, super easy to navigate. You can quickly check all the parts available for your vehicle. You choose the brand, specifications, and prices that you prefer. That's right, the prices at RockAuto.com are super low and the same for professionals as it is for do-it-yourselfers. So there's no reason to spend up to twice as much for the same parts. Go to RockAuto.com right now. Check out all the parts available for your car or truck. And while you're there... 
There's a box that said, how'd you hear about us? You write Locked On Raiders Podcast. That's how they know that we sent you. That's how they know that I sent you. Great selection, great low prices, all the parts your car is ever going to need, all at rockauto.com. I also want to tell you about betonline.ag. They are the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season, NBA, there was some great action going on last night, right? NHL, they're in the playoffs. UFC, MMA, everything is going on right now. So before the next pitch, before the next bucket, the next goal, the next knockout, the next uh, home run, you got to head on over to betonline.ag on your laptop or mobile device. Check out the great sporting news. Check out the bonuses and all the contest information. Get off the sidelines. Get into the game. Your team's on a run for the playoffs. You need to be on a run during the playoffs. Head to the website again using the mobile device or your laptop. Sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Betonline.ag. All you got to do is use the promo code Locked On. You'll get that 50% welcome bonus again on your first deposit. But you got to use the promo code Locked On. BetOnline.ag is your online sportsbook experts. Segment number two, it's up next. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we are. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Time to talk about the one rookie that I think is going to be the most impactful in 2021 for the silver and black. And I'm talking about guys that were drafted, not undrafted free agents, just guys that were drafted. So we're talking Alex Leatherwood. We're talking Trayvon Merrick. We're talking Malcolm Kuntz. We're talking Divine Diablo, Tyree Gillespie, Nate Hobbs, and Jimmy Morrissey. Out of those guys... Who do I think is going to have the biggest impact? And this really came about over the weekend when I was at my buddy Billy's house. Myself and the wife, we went over there uh, for a little Memorial Day kind of celebration, uh, hang out, a little barbecue action, hang out by the pool. And uh, me and a few of the fellas started talking some football and started talking about young guys that I think contribute on different teams. And so I thought, well, if I was thinking about this as far as the Raiders go, who would I, you know, who would I consider to be the most impactful out of the guys that they selected? So that's really where this conversation came from. And, you know, you look at the seventh round pick, Jimmy Morrissey, the center out of Pittsburgh. He's not going to be the guy. Jimmy Morrissey, I do think, is going to be a player for the Raiders. I think he's going to earn himself a spot. Maybe he'll be a practice squad guy the first year, but I do think he's going to earn himself a spot from everything we've heard about him. He's one of those hard workers. He's one of those, in air quote, Gruden grinders. So I think that, he, that he's got a spot on the roster. Uh, Nate Hobbs, the fifth round pick, the corner out of Illinois. I do like him a lot. I do like him a lot, and I do think that he does play a role, and he could actually earn him a spot in training camp. He, he could be that slot corner, be that guy that the Raiders have been looking for for a while to, to man the slot, and there's been a lot of different guys put in that position. Uh, LaMarcus Joyner was put in that position. Amik Robertson was put in that position. There's been many different guys that have manned that, that spot, and no one has really done a good job of it. If Nate Hobbs can go in there and do that, that would be a plus, but that's not the guy I think is going to have the biggest impact. You go to the fourth round pick, Tyree Gillespie, a safety out of Missouri. I think he's probably going to be a special teams dude and he may have an opportunity to get onto the field so I wouldn't look at him as a, as a guy that's going to have the biggest impact third round pick Divine Diablo he's probably got the best name He's probably got the, the the best name, the one that Raider Nation is going to want him to be a stud just because you could say Divine Diablo and, you know, make some kind of, you know, something and, and kind of tie it together with Raider Nation. I think that that's cool. Safety out of Virginia Tech. Uh, he, he's a guy that is going to have an 
has an opportunity to play. I, I just don't know exactly what his role is going to be until he carves that out in training camp. But you know from everything that they've been saying about him, he's a heck of an athlete. He's got tons of speed. He fits into this Gus Bradley's defense somehow. You just have to see exactly how they're going to work him in there. And he's going to be a safety that's moving to the linebacker position. So how quickly is he going to be able to pick that up? That's the other thing. So, again, don't think that he's going to be a dude who's going to be on the field as a linebacker early. I think he's a guy that has an opportunity to be somebody later, but not right away. Malcolm Kuntz. Now you're starting to talk, man. Malcolm Kuntz, the third-round pick out of Buffalo. I think this dude has a big-time opportunity to be a player for the team. I really, really do. Uh, I've said it multiple times. I don't think he's going to be Defensive Player of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year. I don't think he's going to be, you know, the next coming of Khalil Mack. But I do think he's going to be a guy who contributes and uh, in his rookie year, and he'll probably get, you know, three or four sacks, maybe top out at five. I think I was on with Vinny on Friday last week on In the Huddle, and I said that Malcolm Coons is going to get five sacks. I think, you know, three to four is probably fair, and if he maxes out, he'll get five. But it's going to be as a rotational piece. It won't be as a guy who you see on the field all the time. But when he gets into the game, you know what time it is. Pin your ears back and go. That's what he's going to be asked to do. He's got a, lots of different tools on his tool belt of being able to get to the quarterback, the spin move. He's got the bull rush. He's got, you know, the little inside-outside oop de doo You know, he's got a couple different uh, moves, like I said, on his, uh, on his tool belt to be able to get to the quarterback. So I do think he's going to have an impact on, on this Raiders defense. I don't think it'll be the biggest impact. And I think it's real easy to go and say, well, the first round pick, Alex Leatherwood, offensive tackle out of Alabama, he's going to have the biggest impact out of all the rookies because he's going to be a day one starter at the right tackle position, according to Mike Mayock. And he's going to be, you know, protecting Derek Carr and helping open up the run game for Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake. And I believe that that is all fair. And, you know, we talked about Alex Leatherwood on Tuesday's show, and uh, our guy Fadi actually tweeted at me and said, hey, Q, if we merely stop talking about the right tackle of the Raiders, then it's a great pick. In the past, it's been injuries, unavailability, want to, terrible play, etc. If we don't need to worry about that no more, then it's a home run. That's Fadi talking about Alex Leatherwood. And so that is all valid. All those points are very, very valid. So he's going to be a dude who I think is going to be a, a, a big-time player if he can figure it out, if he can hold down that right tackle position. The only thing I keep thinking of is the fact that it has been said by multiple people, including Mike Mayock, that if he doesn't work at the right tackle position, then they're going to kick him in the guard if they kick him in the guard then then there's an issue because then you still have a, a hole at that right tackle position who's going to fill that void so that's my one big concern right there I'm rooting for the kid I hope he does really really well I liked him at Alabama I just want to see him do it on the next level and if he does then like Fadi said and nobody's talking about that right tackle position anymore then yeah it's a great pick because normally you only talk about offensive linemen when they're doing something bad or they're injured, and they're not available. I mean, that's just, and that's not just with the Raiders, that's in general. When you talk about offensive linemen, then that means they're getting penalties, they're injured, or they're just playing that aren't very good. You know what I mean? So hopefully, once the season starts, we're not really saying the name of Alex Leatherwood too much, except for, boy, that right tackle position sure has been held down since he's been there, then that would be great. So obviously that leads me to the last player uh, that we haven't talked about yet that's a rookie that the Raiders drafted. That's the second-round pick out of TCU safety, Trayvon Merrick. Very, very high on this young man. I was very high on him coming out of uh, college. I thought he was going to be a first-round draft pick. The Raiders lucked out and got him in the second round. I think that this dude could be the ultimate playmaker 
on the back end of this Gus Bradley defense. And I really think that the reason I'm selecting him is not just because he's a skill position, he's a safety, the Raiders need a safety, uh, a guy that I liked, a guy that I covered because he was in the Big 12 at TCU. That's not the reason why. But I think he has the leadership qualities and that alpha dog quality that the Raiders defense is lacking. I think he could be that Earl Thomas on the back end for the Raiders. And that's something that the Raiders have not had in a very, very long time. So not only is this dude going to be impactful as far as making plays on the field, but I think he's going to make the other guys around him better. I think he's going to help Jonathan Abram, being allowing Jonathan Abram to go and play his natural position and kind of go down into the box and, uh, you know, play what's more comfortable for him. And and Trayvon Merrick will be able to just be that uh, that center fielder, that eraser that Earl Thomas was in Seattle. I mean, he was the guy that allowed guys like Richard Sherman to, you know, cheat a little bit and go for a, a interception instead of going for the, the safe play because he was there to kind of erase the mistake. He was able to do that quite a bit early in Seattle. If Trayvon Merrick could be that eraser, be that guy, be that Johnny on the spot and just make some plays, create some turnovers for the Raiders, get the ball back and give it back to the offense that we all know can score and also kind of be that alpha dog dude that I've been talking about for a long time. Like who is that alpha dog? That is a winner right there. So I'm going to roll with Trayvon Merrick. I'll tell you right now, I was hoping that he was going to roll with like the number seven. He's going to be number 25, or at least he is right now. I wish he was going to be number seven. I think that would just be so clean looking in the back end of that Raiders defense. But I know Zay Jones is number seven as of right now. Now, that's I say that in air quotes because you just never know how training camp is going to shake out. But I just believe Trayvon Merrick has the opportunity to be the biggest impact player and I really do believe I said Malcolm Koontz I don't think Malcolm Koontz is going to be in the running for defensive rookie of the year I do think Trayvon Merrick is going to be in the running for defensive player of the year as far as the rookies go and that's a big deal you know I mean when Josh Jacobs was selected I think it was pretty easy to go ahead and peg him as a guy who should have been a finalist and look I still think he should have won that uh, but he didn't you know Kyler Murray ended up winning that I know Josh Jacobs didn't play all the games that season so that's one reason but to get a guy on the defensive side of the ball for the Raiders to be in the running for Defensive Rookie of the Year would be huge. And I do think Trayvon Merrick could be that guy. So if I had to place money, if I had to place a bet on it, which I don't, but if I did, one, I'd do it through betonline.ag because, well, they're a proud title sponsor here of the Lockdown Raiders podcast. You see how I did that? See how I tied everything together? But uh, if, if I was going to, I'd use betonline.ag, but I would also put my money on Trayvon Merrick because I think he has the – the most upside, he has the most ability, he has a very good understanding of how to be a defensive, impactful player uh, as he learned under Gary Patterson there at TCU. So that's my guy right there out of all the picks. Jimmy Morrissey, Nate Hobbs, Tyree Gillespie, Devon Diablo, Malcolm Kuntz, and Alex Leatherwood. Trayvon Merrick, second round pick out of TCU, is my most impactful player. I believe he's going to be in 2021 for the Raiders. So that's all I got for you for segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Coming up in segment number three, your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Matter of fact, call in, text in. Let me know who you think is going to be the most impactful player for the Raiders, rookie for the players, and why. Again, let me know who and why you think that they're going to have the biggest impact on the Raiders in 2021. And then, of course, I'll get your calls and texts on the Lockdown Raider Podcast voicemail line as well. Before we get into that, though, I do want to tell you about Built Bar. And I've been telling you about Built Bar for 
God knows how long, forever. You know, I mean, right now, they've got nine delicious flavors to choose from. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. And they have new ones, not new ones all the time, but they have uh, flavors that are limited editions all the time. Uh, the other day, it was orange. I also just got the email about toffee almond. That one's available for, like, one day only. And I just got a shipment of Bilt Bars. Wife, what kind of Bilt Bar did I get? Did you open the box? Where'd you put it? All right, I got a shipment of Bill Bars in the cabinet that the wife didn't open, but it's cool. So there's a, probably another flavor in there. Who knows? They always kind of send shipments and, and say that there's new flavors available, and that's cool. So you have to check onto the website, BuiltBar.com, and see which one is like the exclusive one for that day and uh, get hooked up. But, uh, of course, they got those nine delicious flavors that they uh, that they have to choose from right now. You can get a mixed box, which is two of each. It'll give you 18 bars. They're great tasting, 100% covered in chocolate, and they're obviously good for you as they are a protein bar. Taste great, and they're good for you. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCK15 is going to save you 15% off your order just like that. That's LOCK15 at BuiltBar.com to save 15% off your order. Again, at BuiltBar.com. Segment number three, it's on the way. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast calls and texts. Straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693 is the number. We'll start things off with a text from Appalachian Raider from the 423. He says, AQ, Appalachian Raider from the 423, I'm with you on Julio. The money that he is talking about is a red flag. I really feel Raiders organization has done a good job bringing in players that have something to prove, that have talent, but maybe need the right chance to showcase their skills. Kenyon Drake, Yannick Ngakwe, they're betting on themselves and the organization to be on the upward climb, and the players have expressed their desire to win. Julio could push the Raiders over the top, or he could just take the money and run without contributing squat. What does Julio have left to prove, really? He's probably a Hall of Famer. The only way he comes in and works is if the Raiders are making a run at the Super Bowl. So does Julio make the Raiders a Super Bowl contender? Your thoughts. If no, then you have to play the long game, right? Thanks for everything you do. Sorry for the long text. One love, Raider Nation. Just win, baby. That's from Appalachian Raider from the 423. And yeah, man, it's a mixed emotion when it comes to Julio Jones. I feel like he puts the offense over the top. I really do. I think that that offense is pretty dynamic if he's on the field. I'm also concerned about the money. I'm also concerned about the age. I'm also concerned about what the Raiders have to give up as far as draft capital. There's a lot of things to be concerned with, but if they have a way to get it done and find a way to get it done, and he goes in there, I don't think Julio, this is the one thing I don't think about Julio Jones, is that he won't go out there and try to ball out. I think he'll give everything he's got. Does he have a tendency to you know, miss a game or two here or there? Yeah, but if they can get 14 to 17 games out of Julio Jones, I think that makes their offense that much more dynamic and gives them an opportunity to be one of the best offenses in the league and of course they're competing with the Chiefs each and every year and look I'm not going to cancel out the Chargers either I think Justin Herbert's that damn good of a quarterback that you know they're going to be a force to be reckoned with as well I don't think they have as many weapons as the Raiders do but I think Justin Herbert is a really good quarterback that's only going to continue to get better so I would love to see the Raiders get Julio Jones I don't want to see them throw everything in the basket of Julio Jones because he's 32 years old, he's got a high contract already, and he wants a little bit more. So those are my my big concerns. But as far as just putting the team over the top, I do think he makes that offense really stinking good if he's a part of it. But thank you for that text. Appreciate you. Next up, got a call from 208 Raider. He's calling to talk about the results of the Cooper and Mack trade and how the Raiders lose a lot of the times on trades. Here he is, 208 Raider. What's up, Q? Raider Nation. 208 Raider here. You guys really got me thinking when somebody said... Uh, 
you know, did we win or lose these trades, how dangerous it is for the Raiders to trade. And uh, if you look at the results of what we get with draft picks, then it does seem to appear that we lose every time. If you look at the Cooper and the Mac trade, the value we got, or in the case with Antonio Brown, the value that we gave for that player, we won on paper. And then the results, sadly, have been pretty terrible for all those picks that we got for those guys. And uh, obviously, the Khalil Mack trade was, you know, a huge mistake and, you know, probably the beginning of the end of any kind of pass rush since then. But in any case, I just tend to agree. The Raiders are not good at drafting, not good at trading. So it is something to worry about. All right, peace out. There he goes. That's 208 Raider, and I do appreciate the call, my man. And I don't agree that the Raiders aren't good at drafting or trading. And I know how it looks on the surface. A lot of times it doesn't look like it comes out on their end or it looks like they reach for a player. I get it. But there are certain players that they've brought into the team by way of trade or by way of uh, the draft that have gone worked out really, really well. It's not always necessarily the first-round pick, but a lot of times they get good guys. I mean, think about Hunter Renfro, Max Crosby, Trayvon Mullen, Colton Miller. Even though I wasn't a big fan of Colton Miller when they drafted him, he got a second contract, so he's a good player. You know, I mean, obviously the jury is going to still be out on the 2020 picks. Who knows about the the 2021 picks um the the trade for cooper i think that worked out really well i mean the raiders got a first round pick out of a out of a guy that i didn't think that they were going to get a first round pick out of a guy who had clearly was done with the team so they got a first round pick out of him they turned him into josh jacobs he's given the raiders 2000 yard season so i get what you're talking about and i know that it always looks like and there has been instances like i mentioned the other day when they had that uh, that draft and they they traded the number three overall pick to miami for the number 12 overall pick and a second round pick, like that was terrible value. You're right about that. But I don't think that that happens all the time. I think that's a selective few uh, incidences that really stand out. It usually, to me, it's always the bad stands out a little bit more than the good. You know what I mean? So I wouldn't just be so willing to go throw a first-round pick at Julio Jones because you don't feel like the Raiders have had very good luck in drafting first-round picks. You know what I mean? Like, that would be that would be my thing. If, if you have a first-round pick, you want to use it, and you want to try to get the best player available with that first-round pick. So... Just because, you know, you feel like the Raiders haven't done that well as of late, you don't want to just not have one. You know what I mean? You still want to have an attempt to swing that bat. You just hope that they get a hit or get a home run instead of popping out. So that's just my, my scenario. I understand your concerns. I still wouldn't give up a first-round pick for Julio Jones. And I do think that if they do make a trade, if it's uh, similar to the Antonio Brown trade, I'm good. A third and a fifth round pick, it just didn't work out because Antonio Brown didn't work out. That was more on him than it was on the Raiders. But thank you so much for that call. I do appreciate you. Next up, got a text from Darian. He's in Alabama. Before I get to that text, going to sound alarm for this one one time because Darian in Alabama is a new booty. You're on the Locked On Raiders podcast. He said, hey, Q, I'm Darian from Alabama. I'm new to the podcast, but I've binge listened to it all week while I paint my house. The podcast is amazing. I can't believe I just found it. Congrats to your son going to Western Oregon. I was born and raised in Oregon, and Western Oregon is a great school. Too bad he didn't go to the Southern Oregon Raiders, though. What are your thoughts on how this rushing attack will look this year? I have a feeling that we split the ball up really well between the Bama backfield. I believe they'll have over 20 combined touchdowns. Let me know what you think. Just win, baby. Go Raiders. That's Darian in Alabama. New booty here on the Lockdown Raiders podcast. And 
thank you for the uh you know the the kind words about my son going to western oregon yeah he's pretty fired up about that that's a good opportunity for him to go and play ball on the next level so that's that's pretty exciting uh so can't wait till he gets that opportunity to do that as far as the raiders and their running backs go i think Kenyon drake and josh jacobs are going to be a heck of a one-two punch i really really do uh there's never a starter not on the field and they could be on the field together at the same time as well. I think that there's going to be uh, two of the better running backs you've seen in the silver and black in a very long time. They both have the ability to catch the ball in the backfield. They both could run between the tackles. They both could run on the outside. I mean, they both come from Alabama, so they could block. I mean, there's really there's nothing that you don't have in these guys. I think it helps Josh Jacobs get through all 16 games. I think it helps Kenyon Drake get through all 16 games. You know what I mean? I just I think the wear and tear of their bodies are are a lot less and. I could see Josh Jacobs getting, you know, another 1,100 yards and Kenyon Drake getting about 900 yards from scrimmage, not rushing yards, but from scrimmage. So, you know, tons of yards and and you're talking about 20 touchdowns. That's a possibility. You know, Josh Jacobs had a heck of a season last year. What do you have, 12 touchdowns? He had a heck of a season himself. So I could see uh, Kenyon Drake getting some of those touchdowns as well. Uh, And I'd be okay with that. You know, if you can get 2,000 yards from scrimmage from both of those guys, and then you can also get 20 touchdowns, you could just imagine how dynamic that offense is going to be. So, yeah, I see some good things from that that Raiders backfield, the Bama boys, you know, Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake. And thank you, Darian, for that text. I appreciate you. Uh, Next up is a call from Brian from Pittsburgh. He's calling to talk about that 9 Pittsburgh Raiders game that I referenced on Tuesday's show and how he had his own story to go with that game. Here he is, Brian from Pittsburgh. You, what's up, man? It's Brian from Pittsburgh giving you a call in. Just uh, listening to your show here on this Tuesday morning after Memorial Day, and I could not help but call back again about the uh, 9 game against the Steelers here in Pittsburgh. Dude, I just want to run something by. That was an awesome little story about you and Little Q. Happy birthday, Little Q. I don't know if he's Little Q anymore. It might be Big Q, so... Um, anyways, 09, man, I was about, I'm 31 now, so that makes me about 20, 19 years old, whatever it was then. And, um, I was just out of, uh, out of high school and college in Youngstown State up near, uh, Cleveland. And, um, I was actually dating a girl down in, um, WVU. So it was about a two hour drive and I was actually with her. And, um, unfortunately my mother ended up having a brain aneurysm and, um, she actually had about a 20, 25% chance of making it. And thank God above, man, she made it. And uh, for 45 days straight, me, my dad, and my girlfriend, we did not leave that hospital. And on the 46th day, and, and we, we, we left that hospital, and we went and we saw the Raiders-Steelers game because my mother was doing so much better, everything like that. God was great. And she was like, go, go see the game, go have fun. So it was literally, you know, 15-minute walk from the hospital to, to the stadium. And... uh God was with us that day, man. See Bruce go back and forth with them in the fourth quarter. I'll, I'll never forget that last-minute touchdown pass to lose Murphy to end the game. Um, it, it was probably the most meaningful game I've ever been to in my life. Um, even though the Raiders were always born 12, 5, and 11, every game, every win was just that much bigger. I don't, I don't know if that sounds bad <laughs> as a fan of the Raiders, but hey. We're always happy no matter what when they win. But um, just wanted to call and share that, man. That was just an awesome story about you and Q and uh, just brought back some memories for me. Um, but on another note, let's go get Julio today, man. Let's go. All right, Q. Raider Nation, baby. See ya. 
Brian, thank you for that call, my man. What a great story. So much meaning. You know, that's what it's really all about, man. That's that's what sports does. And obviously, we're here talking about the Raiders. That's what, you know, the Raiders do a lot of times. There's always personal memories, meaningful moments in your life that you could always kind of tie in with a sporting event, a certain team, a certain game. It's like it always happens like that. So I was able to share the story about me and uh, Little Q with that Steeler game. And then you were able to share the story that you just shared Great, great story, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate the fact that you uh, brought that to the table. And I got time for one more text, and this will come from Raider Fan Ed. He says, I hear you, Q. Don't trade a first-round pick, but I'm also looking at the Raiders' history with draft picks. For once, I'm actually supporting the notion of trading because the Raiders will probably fall short anyway. Better to get a proven productive player than another head-scratcher in the draft. That's from Raider Fan Ed. And I'll tell you, man, I get it. Raider Nation, a lot of the fan base is so kind of taken back from the last few first-round picks that the Raiders have had. Uh, Cleve Farrell, obviously. Jonathan Abram, obviously. Uh, this year, it was uh, Alex Leatherwood. I mean, Henry Ruggs. I get it. I get it. I know that everyone's kind of, like I said, taken back from the first-round draft picks, but you just don't give up a first-round pick for a 32-year-old wide receiver. Now, if it's a young guy, a young, impactful player, like I have mentioned when Jamal Adams was out on the open market, I said, hey, go go give up that first-round pick for Jamal Adams, especially in 2020 when there were so many questions due to COVID. Go for it. That's fine. But he's a young dude. This guy's 32 years old. You know what I mean? He's only got a couple more years left, and you're going to give up a first-round pick for him? I just wouldn't do that. You give up a first-round pick for a big-time quarterback that's going to put you over the top. Or you give up a first-round draft pick to move up into the draft and go get that high-impact player that you think is going to put you over the top. But you don't give up a first-round pick for a 32-year-old wide receiver. I don't care how bad you think the Raiders have done in the first round as of late. You just don't do that. That's That's got to be suicide. And there's not a team in the league, I promise you right now, when the whole Julio Jones trade goes down, there is not a team in the league that's going to give up that first-round draft pick. There's no way. They might give up a second-round pick, but I do not believe at all that they're going to give up a first-round pick. I think that's the Atlanta Falcons just trying to drum up a little bit extra interest in one Julio Jones. I cannot see anyone in the league giving up a first for a 32-year-old wide receiver. I just don't see it. Oh, by the way, he wants more money as well. It's not, it's not going to happen. But I understand where you're coming from, but it's not going to happen. So that's all I got for you for today's show, uh, Locked On Raiders podcast on this Wednesday, June 2nd, 2021. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll have more calls and texts throughout that Locked On Raiders podcast voicemail line. Of course, news and notes to get to, and we'll have some more conversation piece. And I do want to hear some feedback, though. Who do you think is going to be the rookie that's going to make the biggest impact for the Raiders in 2021? Let me know, 707-654-4693. Until then, Raider Nation, appreciate all the feedback. Back. Appreciate all the love. Uh, make sure you take care of your family. Stay safe. And most importantly, as always, just win, baby.